In the very first chapter of the Bible, we're told that God created the stars on day four of the creation week. But was starbirth finished at this time? Or is it possible that more stars are forming today? Stay tuned. Evolutionary astronomers need to have stars being born. They think the universe is 13.7 billion years old. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. A beautiful, clear nighttime sky filled with dazzling stars is a wonder to many. The psalmist felt in awe of his Creator as he gazed up into the heavens and proclaimed in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? While we know that God created the stars in the beginning, could more stars be forming out there in the vast universe? Listen in for the next 15 minutes as we discuss star formation and learn how the evolutionary community handles this topic and how their theories fade in the light of reality. Dr. Danny Faulkner is professor of astronomy at the University of South Carolina, Lancaster, as well as an ICR adjunct professor of astronomy. He says that since evolutionists won't believe God's word, the only explanation they have for the existence of stars is that they took billions of years to form. Evolutionary scientists or astronomers need to have stars being born. They, they think the universe is 13.7 billion years old, and they realize that the theories we have for stars indicate much younger lifetimes than that. For instance, the sun could have a maximum lifetime of, say, 10 billion years, which is quite a bit less than 13.7 billion years. So many of the stars we see could not have been primordial. That is, they couldn't have dated from the beginning of the universe. So there must be some mechanism in the universe, evolutionary speaking, how stars could form. And so they look about and they see large clouds of gas, hydrogen gas mostly. And the big difference between a cloud of hydrogen gas, between that and a star, is the fact that a hydrogen gas cloud's big and it's cool and it's really extended. And a star is pretty small compared to the gas cloud and much hotter. And so the theory is, is that a gas cloud can contract under its own gravity over a period of time and heat and slowly turn into a star. However, there are some serious flaws with this idea. The main problem you have is that gas clouds just don't spontaneously contract. They need a nudge or a push, a big one actually, to get them started. And most of the theories of how you could do that require that there first be stars. One idea is that a nearby supernova could help collapse the cloud down so that gravity could take over. But you see, a supernova is an exploding star, so you need a star to beget stars. Other ideas is that uh, you would have dust particles acting as a refrigerator, radiating away heat inside of these clouds. But dust particles are even worse because they require at least two generations of stars first before you can actually produce stars. So these kinds of theories don't really tell us where stars come from. Dr. Jonathan Henry is professor of physics at Clearwater Christian College in Florida. He agrees that evolutionary accounts of stellar origins can leave you in the dark. It's another interesting fact in the literature that astronomers even now have difficulty in explaining how galaxies formed. That's an actual quotation from Donald Goldsmith's The Evolving Universe. And it's an open debate nowadays, did stars form first or did galaxies form first? So the present situation is astronomers can't really explain how galaxies form but then they can't really explain how stars formed either because the theory used to be that stars formed from infalling gas and dust. But there have been now nebulae studied that contain lots of gas and dust, and it's been shown that 
this dust is not infalling. It doesn't seem to be collapsing when actual measurements are made. If anything, it seems to be expanding away from the point where the stars are supposed to be forming. More recently, other evolutionary proposals about the origin of stars have come to light. Today's popular conjecture is called bipolar flow, which has to do with the incoming and outgoing of a space object's stellar material. Dr. Faulkner. Over the last two decades, they've gotten really excited about other objects. They have what they call bipolar flow. The idea is is that in this forming star, you have material falling in around the equator, and as it spirals in, onto the forming star, you have material shooting out along the poles. That's the bipolar, two poles of material shooting out. And uh, that now is the latest idea. It has been for a couple of decades that these bipolar flows are evidence of star formation. Uh, a couple of comments I can make. One of them is it's kind of hard for some people to see how outflowing material is evidence of inflowing material to form a star. I understand the theory, but a lot of people have a hard time really grasping that's really evidence. But even beyond that, we see bipolar flows in a wide range of objects, exotic galaxies, quasars, microquasars, other things like this. And I think that, again, you can explain this data any number of ways if simply focused upon this entirely. So when astronomers say we see stars forming out in space, they're talking about these kinds of objects, but unfortunately they've chosen to interpret them, the data, one particular direction. And I don't think the evidence is nearly as clear as most astronomers seem to think. Indeed, many times secular astronomers do see different results than what their evolutionary theories and models predict. Dr. Henry explains. For example, a nebula in Eta Carinae has, since the 1600s, passed through a number of color changes that the conventional theory would say must require millions of years. It was fourth magnitude in the 1600s, brightened to first magnitude in 1827, and then dimmed, and then in 1837 it became brighter than magnitude zero, reaching minus 0.7 in 1843. Well, all those kinds of changes are changes that conventional theory says ought to be taking a lot longer for that type of star than they really did, and that is by far from being the only example. But if stars formed billions of years ago without the intervention of the Creator and are still forming as evolutionists claim... Why don't we see any star births today? The usual answer is, of course, like it is for biological evolution, we can't actually see the processes happening because they're so slow. But if we could run a video for billions of years and then run it fast, we'd see all the changes we expect. Well, I would suggest that the answer about stellar formation, when people put forth that kind of scenario, ought to be what it is when we respond to biological evolution. It just isn't happening. And the fact is that even the nebula that have been studied closely, like the one in Eta Carinae that I mentioned a while ago, don't really give agreement with what theory would predict, even if we could, say, run the video fast. The biblical account of origins by creation and the evolutionary Big Bang idea of origins are completely opposite to each other. While creationists abide by the Genesis account of stars being created on day four of creation week, evolution teaches that stars began to form billions of years ago after a cosmic Big Bang explosion. Dr. Donald Chittick, president of Creation Compass, tells us of specific differences between the teachings of these two worldviews. For example, in the Big Bang, which came first, the sun or the earth? Well, in the Big Bang, 
the sun came first and then the earth. But in Genesis, the earth came first and then the sun. In the Big Bang Theory, which came first, stars or the earth? In the Big Bang Theory, stars came first and then the earth. In the Genesis account, the earth came first and then stars. And you can go down through the list. Big Bang Theory, the events of theory other than creation are exactly opposite to those given to us in Genesis. And the Genesis one fits with reality because we don't see things forming like the Big Bang speculates. So, Bible-believing young Earth creationists would all agree that the universe and everything in it, including stars, is only thousands of years old and not billions. But what do creationists believe about star formation? When God created the stars on day four of the creation week, was that the end of star birth? Well, many creationists believe that it was. While others say, although it may be a rare event, it's possible that stars are forming today, but not in the evolutionary time frame of billions of years. Dr. Henry believes that stars are not currently forming in the universe because their creation was completed at the end of the fourth day of creation week. We have the concept that's popular today of star birth, and we read about stars being born in stellar nurseries that are supposed to be nebulae, gas and dust clouds in outer space and various places like this that are supposed to be favorable for star formation. But I think we need to take a closer look at the Bible and ask exactly what is the universe doing today. And we need to try and understand this from the standpoint of the Bible and not what secular science has to say. So in Genesis 2 verse 1, we have this statement that after the six days of creation, the verse says, all the creation was finished. And so that's a pretty emphatic statement. And the exact wording in the verse, Genesis 2, verse 1, is, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. So, straightforwardly read, that seems to indicate that as far as the creation of new things was concerned, apart from miracles, that pretty much the universe was established at the end of the creation week as to things existing in a way that would be permanent. So, it would seem, at least I would suggest, God formed the stars in the beginning. He is the Father of lights. He formed them stars are changing today, they're decaying today in various ways, they're losing material as they sometimes explosively expel large amounts of their gas and dust, but whether they are even building up, let alone forming, is a question that still, even theoretically, has no definite answer, although people want to believe they're forming, and I would suggest observationally has very little evidence going for it. As beautiful as the stars appear, and as much as we enjoy their light, they won't always be as they are now. 2 Peter 3.10 tells us, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. After this event, the Bible promises that there will be new heavens and a new earth. Dr. Chittick tells us that in order to enjoy God's new creation in the future, we must make a very important decision today. While we're here on earth, we have a choice to respond to God's gentle pleading, I'm here, I love you, I care for you. And he moves through the Holy Spirit to cause people to realize, look at the universe around, like Romans 1.20 says, the invisible things of him, that is God's character and attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So man was not created to die. Man was created to be with the Creator and to joy him forever. Psalm 1611, 
Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. One of the greatest pleasures, if we accept God's pulling us toward him and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, our sins forgiven, we'll get to go to be in his presence. And that will be a joy. We know what pleasure is down here so that we can appreciate what God says in his presence are pleasures forevermore. And it's just exciting to think that. So, yes, our bodies are aging and dying, but there will come a time of judgment on this earth of those who have purposely rejected their Creator. And that will be disastrous. According to the book of Revelation, the disaster is ecological, disaster disease-wise, and disaster war-wise. And we can escape that by accepting God's call to be with Him. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.